Well, you can turn to the book of Acts. That's where we'll be this morning. Fun thing coming up next week. Our college worship service will move across to the street to Consol. And you guys may not be aware of this. This is actually something like Trey and I have been praying for for a decade now. Seriously, for 10 years now, we've been praying that we would have opportunities to both use and bless this high school that God placed right next to us. And finally, after 10 years of praying for it, God has opened the door. And so we're incredibly excited. Next Sunday, the 11 a.m. service, the college worship service will be in the console auditorium. It'll be awesome, high energy, really fun. The great news for you college students is the auditorium is on the other side of the high school, right next to all of that parking that the adults are not using. And so, college students, don't mess with any of this business. Just park off of Welsh by the tennis courts or the front of the high school. Walk right in at 11 a.m. That is going to be your best place to worship and grow and serve. So we would love to have you plug in next Sunday at 11 across the street. Now, we still do need a few more adult couples to help in the leadership of that service, to help to mentor and care for those college students. So if you're an adult couple looking for a way to serve the Lord here at Grace Bible Church, we'd love to have you consider that. If you're willing to be a table host For the college ministry, just contact Kevin Barra, and he can connect you with that. So, next week. All right. This week, we're going to look at Acts. Just so you know, uh, next week in this service, we'll be starting our Philippians series. So that's where we'll be this fall. But today, we're going to be in the book of Acts, and we're going to be talking about our goal for the fall, which is our goal for every fall, which is our goal for every day. We are here to help people find and follow Jesus. That's the goal for this church. First of all, that's why Grace Bible Church Southwood exists, help people find and follow Jesus. But it's also the goal for each of us individually. If you've ever wondered, why am I still here? It would be awfully nice to be in heaven. Why has God left me here? It's so that you can help people find and follow Jesus. That's the only reason any of us are still here. That is God's mission for your life is to help other people find and follow Jesus. Now that's easy to say, but to a lot of people, it sounds really hard to do. Help people find and follow Jesus. Like, how do I do that? That sounds like something the pastors should do. Wouldn't I have to go to seminary for that? I don't feel equipped for that. That sounds scary for a lot of people. It sounds really intimidating to to go out there and try to help people find and follow Jesus. It sounds really hard, but it's really not. It's really not hard at all. It's, in fact, incredibly simple. So simple that we're teaching it to your children. If they are in children's ministry, it's what we're about every Sunday in the children's ministry because kids can do it too. It's actually incredibly easy. It's just in our minds that we make it out to be this hard thing to do to help people find and follow Jesus. It's incredibly simple. It reminds me of the first time that I held Julie's hand, Julie, my my wife, Um, we were dating for about a month and it felt like it's kind of time now to, to hold hands. And so I took her to a movie, the, my big fat Greek wedding. So you can tell how long we've been married (laughs) a long time now. So we sit down to watch this movie and here's the problem. So it's going to be the first time we've held hands, but I've, I've never held a girl's hand ever. Um, I have no idea how to make it happen. I have seen boys hold girls' hands, so I know theoretically that this is possible, but I don't know practically how you make it actually occur. Like I look over and her hand is in her lap and my hand is here and I think, well, 
what, what do we do with this space? I, I don't know. No one's ever taught me how we get from apart to together. And so I start thinking as, as the credits are rolling, the movie's starting, I'm like, so do I, do, I, do I reach over and grab it? That seems kind of aggressive and that's not really who I am. And, or do I put my hand up, up on the armrest, maybe up, maybe down, I don't know, and maybe just wait? Or do I like inch my hand over? And is this, do I look at her or do, and like wink? Is there some signal that they taught everybody else in junior high that I never learned? I don't know what to do. Maybe, maybe she has to initiate because they're all into that now. I don't know. And so I'm really getting nervous and I can't watch the movie and I don't know what to do. And so frustrated and embarrassed. Finally, I just look over at Julie and I say, I can't watch the movie. I don't know what to do. Will you please just give me your hand? And she did. And so <laughs> that was it. We, we held hands for, for the whole movie and, and spoiler alert, it was awesome. <laughs> Not the movie. I don't know what happened in the movie. I was just so completely enraptured in holding someone's hand. Wow. It's an example of this classic situation that happens in life where we make something out to be so hard and so scary when it is really very, very simple. And so it is with sharing our faith. So it is with helping people find and follow Jesus. It sounds scary and intimidating, but it's not. It's incredibly simple. And this morning, I want to show you how simple it is. I want to eliminate the intimidation factor and help you see how you can be doing this easily in your day-to-day life. And to help you to do that, I'm going to share with you a really fun story in the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at a story in the life of a man named Philip to see how God used him to help a person find and follow Jesus. So look with me. We're going to pick it up in verse 26 of chapter 8 of the book of Acts. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now let's pause there. So we have two characters in this story. We've got a guy named Philip. We know that Philip was not an apostle, actually. He was not an elder. He was not a a leader of the early church. We know from his name that he was what we would call a Hellenistic Jew rather than a Hebraic Jew. And those are fancy terms. All they mean is that in Jewish society, Philip was second class. He was not the guy you would expect to be the hero of this part of the book of Acts. But he is a hero. Why? Because he was available. He was available to God. He was an energetic, available witness that God could use. So we have Philip. Second, we have this Ethiopian man. We're told he's an Ethiopian eunuch. We can deduce that he was both wealthy and important because he was a treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia's treasury. Um, Ancient Ethiopia would be about modern day Sudan, kind of put it together. He personally is also very wealthy because he's reading from the book of Isaiah, his own book of Isaiah. People didn't have books in the ancient world unless they were really rich, important people. So we don't know a lot about him. What we can deduce is that he is a black African man who is incredibly wealthy and for some reason that we don't know has converted to Judaism. 
And I'd really love that story. I would really love to know how that happened. We don't know. We just know he is, he is so passionate about the God of Judaism that he spends a whole year going to Jerusalem to worship. Because that's how long it would have taken. It was five months journey from ancient Ethiopia to Jerusalem and then five months back. So ten months just in travel. Figure a couple months at least in Jerusalem. This is a whole year of this guy's life. To go and worship and get to know the God of Judaism. So we know that he's hungry to know more about the God of the Old Testament. Okay, so that's where our story is so far. Let's pick it up in verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Now, what we can figure out so far is... God is moving in this story. God called Philip to this particular road at this particular time. God calls him to come up next to this particular chariot. And lo and behold, Philip hears this guy reading from not just the book of Isaiah, but the exact passage. It's about Jesus. It could not have been a better passage. This is about the Messiah dying for the sins of God's people. And so it's just perfect. You can see God at work in this moment. And so God brings things together. Together, and in this moment that God has brought together, Philip steps up. So the guy, the guy wants to see this guy, even though he knew a lot about Judaism, he hadn't yet heard anything about Jesus. So he's reading a passage about the Messiah, but he doesn't know who the Messiah is. I mean, talk about a perfect setup. So Philip says, let me tell you about who that passage is speaking of. Look at the next verse, 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, so, so Philip opens his mouth and speaks about Jesus. He just talks about Jesus and this Ethiopian man believes and and just as they do throughout the book of Acts when someone believes you just get baptized immediately so the guy looks over there's a puddle hey let's do this so they jump down and he gets baptized right there and as soon as he's baptized Philip's work is done and so God magically whisks Philip away to his next assignment and the Ethiopian man is left alone rejoicing. He is overcome by joy at the thought of now knowing the story of Jesus, knowing that his sins are forgiven and that he has a heavenly father. And, and we don't know anything more about him. We don't, did he go back to Ethiopia and share the gospel? Did he plant a church? We don't know anything about what God do, did through him. What we do know is that God used Philip's availability to open an entire new continent to the gospel. Because that's what happens here. A whole new continent is opened to the message of Jesus Christ. And it's just because Philip was available. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that because we read that story and we can get caught up in the miracles. There's some pretty crazy miracles here. 
God is doing some big things. God speaks audibly to Philip multiple times. God leads this Ethiopian man to exactly the verse that Philip needed. And then God magically whisks Philip away. So we get caught up in the supernatural and we look at our own lives. And at least for me, I don't know about for you, but like I've never heard God's audible voice and I've never been whisked magically from one place to another. And so those things haven't happened in my life. So it's easy to say, well, that story doesn't apply to me. But I want you to notice that it was actually God who did all of the miraculous stuff. Philip didn't do any of it. What was Philip's part? What was his responsibility to open a whole new continent to the gospel? What did he have to do? Well, all the stuff Philip did is stuff you and I can do. Nothing supernatural about it. It's all straightforward. It's all easy. And I want to walk you through it. If you will do these simple things that Philip did in this story, God can use you to help people find and follow Jesus in a big way. Okay, so let's look at the specific things that Philip does in this story so that we can learn from his example. So the first thing that we got to do to help someone find and follow Jesus is we got to walk with God like Philip did. Clearly, Philip was walking with God because he could hear God speak to him. He was walking in the spirit, as we would say, meaning that he's spending time daily with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, in the word, in prayer, so that he's sensitive to the spirit, so that God can work through him. And that's crucial. If you want to do what Philip did, you you have to walk with God daily. You have to be in fellowship with God so that God's power can work through you, because that's the only way you're going to make a difference in anybody's life. Here's a passage for you. You may not be familiar with 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, I planted, Apollos, another worker, watered, but God was causing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one waters is anything but God who causes the growth. And the point of that passage is to say, if you want someone to grow to be more like Jesus, if you want someone to to find and follow Jesus, only God can do that. You, You can't transform anyone. You cannot grow anyone. You do not have that power within you. Only God can transform the human heart and move somebody to Jesus. So if you want to make a difference in someone's life, what's the logical necessity? You must have God working and flowing through you. You got to have his power at work through you into other people's lives. And so practically speaking, what do you need to do? Really simple. We talk about this all the time. You need to be in prayer. Speaking with God, and you need to be reading his word, hearing from God. That's how we continue the relationship. Prayer, we speak. His word, he speaks. Okay, so we need to be in this relationship with God, praying regularly for God's power, for him to work through us, and reading his word, listening to his voice to us, because his word can transform us, and through us transform others. Okay, so we got to walk with God. That's the first required step. Second step, if you're going to help somebody find and follow Jesus... You must get out of the bubble. The problem with bubbles is that they're really comfortable. We like living in a social bubble. What is a social bubble? It is all the people around you who are like you. Well, it's easier to hang around people who are like you than people who are not like you. And so if you always do what's easy, you're always going to stay in the bubble. Well, Philip had been living in the bubble until this chapter. 
first seven chapters of the book of Acts, Philip was living in a Christian bubble in the city of Jerusalem. God had had led thousands of men and women to accept Jesus as their savior and form this massive new church. And we're talking like breakaway sized church going on in Jerusalem. And they're having a great time. They, They love one another so much that they start eating all their meals together and studying the word together and worshiping together and praying together. And that's amazing. There's just one problem with that. If all your time is spent always with people who already know Jesus, you can't help anyone else find and follow him. It's just just logically impossible. And so Philip and the early church had gotten comfortable in this Christian bubble in Jerusalem. And God says, good, I'm I'm glad you're growing. I'm glad you're loving that fellowship. But but I'm I'm calling you to reach new people. And so I'm going to bust the bubble. And so God pops the bubble with persecution. Starts in chapter 6, grows in chapter 7. Stephen is martyred. All of the believers are scattered out of Jerusalem. Now, it would be really easy to be angry and bitter about that. Philip just lost his home. He just lost his community. He lost his friends. God has scattered him out of Jerusalem. But Philip doesn't choose bitterness. Instead, he chooses to see it as an opportunity. Okay, I've been kicked out of my city, kicked out of my home. I'm going to tell everyone I meet about Jesus. And Philip does in the first half of chapter 8, he tells a Samaritan. Second half, he tells this Ethiopian man. Philip is giving an example to us. If you want to make an impact on this world, if you want to help people find and follow Jesus, you have to get out of the bubble. And students who've just come back, you've just re-entered the Christian bubble. I mean, that's what's here at Texas A&M. I mean, talk about a massive Christian bubble. It's so easy to live within it because it's comfortable here. You have to choose to step outside. Now, that doesn't mean forever or always. We want, this is bubble day. You're here at church on Sunday morning. We're back in the bubble, encouraging one another, reading, praying together. That's good. God wants that. Come back in the bubble on Sunday, then go out. Okay, and go out so that you can reach people who don't yet know Jesus and help them find and follow him. So very practically speaking, three specific places for you to help people to find and follow Jesus, where you live, where you work or study, and where you play. Where you live, your neighborhood, your apartment complex, getting to know the people around you, where you work or study, your coworkers, your fellow students, where you play, hobbies that you have, sports teams that you're on. What you need to do is look for people around you who don't yet know Jesus and initiate with them, engage with them, walk with them. Did you see what Philip did? He walked next to the chariot. Do the same thing. Do life with people who don't yet know Jesus so that you can have opportunities to help them find and follow Jesus. You must get out of the bubble. Okay? Come back in on Sundays, then go out. Right? So you got to get out of the bubble. Third step for us if we want to help people find and follow Jesus. Ask questions. It's also known as the be fascinated principle. And I underlined the in there because it's important to, to distinguish. Be fascinated, not fascinating. Everybody on this planet seems to want to be fascinating to everybody else. God doesn't care about that for you. That's not his goal for you. He doesn't want you to be an interesting person. He wants you to be an interested person. You are interested in other people. You want to know what they think. That's what Philip, he wants to know, what does the eunuch think of this passage? So Philip asks a question. That's how you can be fascinated or interested in someone else. You ask a question. You get to know them. That demonstrates humility. It is selfless. It is loving. 
And so just like Philip, you ask questions of people, you get to know them, that opens the door for the gospel. It gives you an opportunity to help people find and follow Jesus. I I can't tell you how many times in my life a significant conversation has started with me just asking a question. That's all it takes. So I'll give you an example. Back in college, long before I ever thought about being a pastor, I was planning on being an engineer. And I had a really good friend who was a fellow engineer with me. We did a lot of projects together. We spent a lot of time together. Really liked the guy. Um, but he's not a Christian, not, not religious at all. And so I wanted to find some way to share the gospel with him, but I could just never figure out how to turn the convert. Like, how do we get from, from thermodynamics to Jesus? I don't, I don't know how to do that. And so... I didn't know what to do until one night, Texas A&M actually gave me the opportunity with silver taps. Okay, so we were working late at night up in the lab, and then I remember, what is everybody doing? They're all going to silver taps. So the question I asked him was just, do you want to go to silver taps with me? Simple as that. I said, sure, okay. So he comes, and and we go to silver taps, and afterwards, I was like, hey, do you want me to give you a ride home? Because he didn't have his car up there. okay. So we hop in my car, and we're driving home, and, and all I did is I just asked him, have you ever thought about what happens after you die? Because I mean, that's what Silver Taps is kind of getting at, right? Now, in that moment, he actually said, you know what? I don't want to talk about that. He shut it down, and, and I didn't push. I said, okay, no worries. But he and I have actually stayed in touch now for 20 years. So ongoing 20-year relationship, we keep emailing, we'll talk on the phone, we come visits in town, we get together. And all the time I keep that relationship going by asking questions. Most common question I asked him over these last 20 years is just, hey, can I pray for you? And I've never had anybody say no to that. I mean, even atheists are okay with you praying for them. They may just think that it's like magic sprinkle dust, yet you're pouring on their But hey, who doesn't want that? And I'm a pastor, so I get that card too because he thinks my prayers count more, um, which they don't, just so you know. But you just ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you? And, and they're going to say yes. There's something, and sure enough, he does. Yeah, well, how about you pray for this? And I actually, I love that question because when you ask somebody, can I pray for you, and they tell you a specific thing, what do you get to do? You get to follow up. A month later, I'll call back. Hey, how, how's that going? Did God answer that prayer? And what that demonstrates to the person is you actually really care about them, and your religion is not just a ritual. You actually believe in a God who hears and cares. And so by asking these questions in people's lives, you are engaging them and drawing them in to know God like you know God. So ask questions. Be fascinated with other people. That's actually even easier if God gives you the opportunity to hang out with an international student or a family from another country or another culture. Lots of great questions you can ask there. If I'm hanging out with somebody from another country, um, I like to ask him, at this time of year especially, in about two weeks, I asked him, hey, have you had a chance to go to an Aggie football game? What'd you think of that? Why do you think the Aggies are so passionate about football? Is there anything in your culture or in your family that you guys get that passionate about? Well, all of a sudden, we're talking about what, what are the things that they get passionate about? Man, that can easily lead to a significant conversation. Here's the other one that's really easy. You, you can get a chance to do that actually in the next couple weeks as all these international students and families move into their homes. You know what you can do is just ask, do you mind if I pray a blessing over your new home? No one says no to that. Even if they're not Christian, they're like, well, hey, I'll hedge my bets. So let's have your God praying. Sure. They all want, and that gives you an opportunity to show them love and to pray with them. 
incredible opportunity to build that relationship. So ask questions just like Philip did. That's where the whole, this whole conversion moment happens is with a question. That's the best way to get a conversation started. Our prayer is that just like God does with Philip, the questions that we're asking will lead to an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And that's the fourth and final step. You just share Jesus. Philip knew a lot of theology, a lot of scripture, but the core of his message is about Jesus. He simply preaches Jesus to this guy. And how do you do that? I think a lot of us, we get nervous when it's that opportunity in a conversation to talk about the gospel, to talk about Jesus. Some of us have been Christians for 20 years, and so we feel like in that moment what we need to do is back up the dump truck and deliver 20 years worth of Jesus to them. That's not helpful. That just overwhelms them. So let me make it really simple. I'm going to walk you through how I present the gospel in three steps. Okay, three points, write them down, really easy. I want you this afternoon to practice these three points with a roommate, with a spouse, with a friend. I want you to practice this. Okay, so the good news about Jesus in three points. Number one, bad news. We have all said and done bad things that hurt other people. The Bible calls that sin and it tells us our sin separates us from God because he's perfect. Okay, that's the bad news. All of us have have sinned and it separates us from God. But there's good news because God has provided a solution and he is named Jesus. God gave his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life for us and then to die for us, to pay the penalty of our sins and then to rise from the dead to conquer sin and death once and for all. Okay, so you share the good news about Jesus. You don't have to get into the Trinity or any of that kind of stuff. Just keep it simple. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Those three points. Okay, keep it really simple. Jesus lived, died, rose. And then the third and final point. Okay, so what do we do with that? I've just heard this historical truth about Jesus. What do I now do? And a lot of people talk about faith, about belief. That's a very biblical concept. I've actually found it easiest to just, just conceive it as you just say thank you. It's all that it takes. If somebody wants to become a Christian, what do they need to do? Just say, thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins and rise from the dead so I could have eternal life as a free gift. It's all it takes. Just challenge him to say thank you to God. In saying thank you, they are evidencing faith. They are expressing their belief. So those three steps, bad news, good news, what to do with it. When you present those, it's helpful to have a verse to back it up. And the best one I know of, the one you should memorize, John 3.16. Many of you have that locked down. If you don't, memorize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You keep it very, very simple. It's all about Jesus. You believe in him. You will not perish in your sin. Instead, you'll have eternal life. You will live with God in heaven forever. A child of God, beloved and forgiven by God. So just one verse to memorize. And finally, let me give you one question to ask. Because often when I present the gospel, I'm not sure if they're getting it. How do I know if they understand the words coming out of my mouth? Maybe they're, maybe they're hung up on something here. So what question can I ask to figure out where they are? It's this. I ask this question to people all the time. Let's say that at some point you pass away and, and you are now standing before God. And if God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? 
That question is really powerful. It gets to the core of what they're trusting in. And I've heard a lot of answers. Sometimes they're just going to give me the gospel, and that's awesome. Thumbs up. Let's go have a party. Um, but sometimes they're going to give an answer that's, that's not yet adequate, but it's going to help me to figure out where do I need to clarify? What do I need to say next? Some people will say, well, I don't know. Great. I, you don't know. Let, let me tell you what I believe. Some people will say, well, I, because I'm better than most people. Okay, if they, if they say that, well, I, okay, that's what I say in that case is I say, you know, that, I hear that from a lot of people. That makes a lot of sense. The problem is, like, how, how many people do you have to be better than? Like, do you know, like, where the line is? Like, is it top 50%? Top, top 10%? Is it top 2%? That's really scary to me. I don't know. That's why I'm glad that what the Bible says is it's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus already did for me when he died for my sins and rose from the dead. That's why God lets me in heaven. So see, I get to present the gospel again and clarify with them so they really understand it. Okay, so what I want you to do today at lunch or dinner or both is I want you to practice with your roommate, a friend, spouse, someone. I want you to go over those three points, that one verse, and that one question. I want you to know those things cold so that when God opens a door for you to get to talk about Jesus, you'll be ready. Okay? So practice today and then begin praying each day that God will give you an opportunity to use what you've been practicing to share Jesus with someone. Now to give you more examples of how you can help people find and follow Jesus, I'm going to invite Trey, our campus pastor, to come up and walk you through some more stuff. I've never heard Sunday referred to as bubble day, but I like it. It's a first, Blake. That was a first. Um, you know, I, I think as we begin a new year, I, I think this morning's encouragement is so helpful. I, I think for us as a church that's called to help people find and follow Jesus, I think historically we've been pretty good at helping people follow Jesus. I think for us as staff and for us as a church body, I think our weakness at times has been helping people find Jesus. Uh, I often think of it this way that uh, in, I remember as a kid growing up, I was into basketball. thought it was going to be Michael Jordan. Put my tongue out playing basketball. thought it was going to be the thing to do. Uh, and so I was great with my right hand, but at some point a coach came along and said, I, I think you also need to learn to dribble with your left hand. And, and I think for many of us, I think for us, maybe this is you, that when it comes to helping people follow Jesus, that's kind of our dominant strong hand that we feel comfortable in. But when it comes to helping people find Jesus, for some of us, that's kind of our off hand that we're not as comfortable in. And so as Blake's really focused in on that, I think it's a really helpful encouragement for us as we begin a new semester in a new year, thinking through our bubble, thinking through our world and the spheres that the Lord has put us and asking, hey, Lord, who is it you would have me to step into and pursue in life? Uh, I want to share with you guys a couple stories uh, really from the last 12 months that I think I've realized sometimes that this whole helping people find Jesus and starting in and leaning into a spiritual conversation is frankly just as simple as walking across a room or walking across a cul-de-sac. Two different moments for me in the last 12 months. One was uh, the last couple of years, we, we made it the goal that we felt like our whole neighborhood was frankly a little bit overwhelming. And so even as we jump into our kids' public school, there's a lot of families. Uh, but we thought, hey, what about just our cul-de-sac? We live in, in, in a cul-de-sac with about 12 to 13 houses. What if we just tried to get to know our neighbors right here in this world? Could we get to know all of their names? And so one of the things that we started to do was to hold some block parties. And we held one and began to get to know a sweet Indian family right in our midst. And getting to hear her story as a Hindu family, getting to hear her background, getting to hear what she and her family believed just came out naturally in conversations. 
it was interesting that through the last couple of years in the midst of this relationship, frankly, it's not been our intentionality to continue to pursue the family. Frankly, it has often been their con- consistency in the pursuit of us. Sometimes it's been as simple as the fact that they know that we have 12 folding chairs and multiple sets of large tables that they want to use uh, to host parties at their house. And so once a month, often she's at our door and we get an opportunity to continue to engage. Also, for whatever reason, it's going to happen again this afternoon. She thinks that I have some kind of fix-it abilities, which if you know me, uh, Blake's laughing already. Here we are. As the campus pastor, the overseas facility, that's not my greatest strong suit. All right. I'm not the best fix it guy. And so for whatever reason, though, she thinks I'm more capable. And so this afternoon I'm going over to hang a painting on her wall. Pray for me. All right. Uh, and, and so but we just continue to have consistent opportunities where we've been able to step into this family's life and to get to know them. And in the midst of those moments that continue to unfold, it's just been opportunities to ask questions and to listen, to love and to get to know them. It's interesting, even a couple of years ago, uh, the mom's mom suddenly passed away in India, and so they ran off, and then when they came back just completely brokenhearted and disheartened, we got to step into that moment of crisis and to get to minister, to talk about the gospel and the hope that we have. And so the Lord has just continued to open up opportunities that, as Blake said, he's thinking of his engineering friend, uh, we've got to talk about the gospel, we've gotten to talk about Jesus, but it's been an ongoing relationship that continues to come back with more opportunities as we go deeper and deeper. Another story I want to share with you guys was one that came up almost exactly about a year ago. I'm going to talk with you guys in a minute here about an event that we call the Big Giveaway. But we had a series of international students' names that were in the foyer. And a few weeks went by, and we still had a few left over. And as someone who works here that walks by the wall in our foyer every single day, and the fact that there were still cards there, finally the Lord's just like, all right, it's your turn. You're going to take one. And so I, I grabbed a card after a few weeks had gone by. And, and to be perfectly honest, I, I let another few weeks go by as the card sat on my desk. And I kept thinking about it, kept seeing it every day. And so finally I said, hey, I, I've got to initiate. And so I, I reached out to this uh, Chinese international student and just said, hey, my name's Trey. I, I know you got to pick up some furniture at our big giveaway event. And, and you expressed that you'd love to have a meal in an American home. Well, I'd love to just grab a lunch with you. And so I remember our first uh, meal together was out at Chipotle, right on there on university as he got out of some classes. And we got to just talk about life, got to talk about even my faith, the gospel. And then got to have him over to our house. And it was amazing to see our kids getting to ask questions and to be fascinated with this guy from China and getting to know about his culture, getting to know about his home, his food. And eventually, of course, we got into the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of Easter. Awesome opportunities, awesome conversations that just came about, frankly, not because of great intentionality sometimes on my part, but just the willingness to walk across the room, the willingness to walk across a cul-de-sac and just to have a conversation. I want to ask you, as you think about your fall, where is it the Lord has put you? Where are those places that he's calling you to walk across the room? Where is he calling you to walk across a dormitory, an apartment complex, or a workspace? Who is he calling you to interact with and to help them find and follow Jesus this fall? I want to highlight something for you guys. As you think about why we exist and why we do what we do as a church, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. But I'll tell you, as a staff, why we exist, why we're on staff is to help equip you to help others find and follow Jesus. And so sometimes in the course of the year, we'll have big events that we'll do uh, programmatically that sometimes they're to benefit you, but sometimes they're also to open up opportunities for you. And so one of those events that's coming up is an event that we call the Big Giveaway. Uh, We used to call it the International Student Giveaway, but it sounded like we were giving away international students. 
So we don't do that anymore. Um, we call it the big giveaway because what we do uh, as the fall cranks up right here is that we have hundreds and thousands of international students that have showed up here in Bryan College Station, many of them uh, with resources that are really limited. And so one of their first opportunities in our town as they interact with the Church of Jesus Christ uh, is that they have an opportunity to be blessed by us as we give them free furniture. And so we're going to have an event that's coming up next Saturday in which we're going to have hundreds of college or international students that will come to Grace Anderson campus and they'll have an opportunity to pick up free furniture that's been donated by many of us here in our church. And so their first opportunity, their first experience with a church here right in Brazos Valley is a movement of grace with absolutely no conditions. And so for us, as you have an opportunity to be a part of that, I'll tell you, we set that up for you guys. And so there's a series of ways that you can be involved. And ultimately, as you think about it, we want to help our neighbors so that the nations can know Jesus Christ. How can you be involved with that? How can you jump in? A couple different ways. Today, this afternoon, we're going to be emptying out hordes. Okay, I mean, that's a little bit overstepping, but many uh, storage units that have been filled up with furniture that people have been donating over the course of the summer. So we could really use some help this afternoon at 1.30 at our Anderson Campus College side of the street uh, to help uh, empty out storage units and to bring stuff into the college auditorium. Also, over the course of Tuesday and Thursday, we have what we call the big sort. So if you like to take chaos and bring it to order, uh, you know who you are. We call ourselves organized. You have other names for some of us, okay? Uh, but if you'd like to help us sort and organize, we would love to have you guys uh, do that with us 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Tuesday to Thursday. And then also, this is something brand new that we're going to be doing Friday night that precedes the event. Uh, keep in mind, we'll have hundreds of international students that will be with us on Saturday morning. But that's the international students that are right here in our community that actually have a limited financial need and need furniture. But there's hundreds of other international students that that doesn't describe them. And so as we think about our community, we want to have an opportunity to engage and begin to build a bridge and build relationships with international students right here in our community. And so we're going to throw a giant party right there in Anderson Park, right across uh, the street, in a sense, right by the park that's right by Anderson campus. We're going to have international food. We're going to have international music. There's going to be dancing. Come on, people. It's going to be great. Uh, We're expecting about 500 to 700 international students to be out there with us. And what we would love to do is invite you in to be a part of it so that you can start a conversation. Sometimes it's across a cul-de-sac, sometimes it's across a room, or in this case, it's across a park to come and interact and have an opportunity to begin a conversation and begin a relationship with the international student that could span for the course of the next couple of years. I have an opportunity to reach out to my international student even this morning so we can set up a lunch for later this week to continue a conversation that we started that we've had multiple moments to over the course of the last year. What would it look like for you to step across a room, to step across a cul-de-sac, to step across a workplace, to begin a conversation that the Lord's put on your mind? And sometimes it's our smallest willingness just to be available that God can use in significant ways to open up a conversation that could change an eternal destiny. I'll be honest, for the couple of stories I told you guys, my intentionality has not been phenomenal, right? But sometimes it's just our small availability, our willingness to stop, our willingness to slow down, our willingness to listen and ask questions that God can use as relationships get emerged, as they step forward, as they develop, and as conversations unfold over the years. That's our hope for you. Not that we're going to do all the finding and helping others follow Jesus, but that we're going to equip you. We're going to set up some really easy opportunities over the course of the year for you to help others find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your extravagant grace that you'd move us from uh, guilt to forgiven.
That you'd move us from darkness to light. That you would move us into relationship with our very creator. On the basis of what he did, not what we've done. And so, Lord, I pray as we step into a new year, for many of us looking forward to seeing friends, looking forward to getting back and reconnecting over uh, lunches and coffees, Lord, I pray that you would allow us in the midst of the investments that we make into the Christian bubble, into church life that is meaningful and significant, Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to balance it out, to not be so absorbed in the Christian bubble that we, though that we would have eyes, that we would have a willingness to step outside and to slow down and to engage with those that don't know you that we would have an opportunity to seek of the grace of Jesus Christ, that we would have an opportunity to show the love of Jesus Christ, and that we would be salt and light in the places that you've called us and the places you've already put us. Might we slow down and be available? Might we have a heart of compassion that would move in a relationship and in a conversation that would extend and deepen and, and evolve over time? Lord, might you use us, might you open our eyes to see as you see, might you open our heart to care and to love as you do. Might we be you in the places and the communities that you put us, Lord. We ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Church, grateful to see you guys. We'll see you guys next Sunday. We'll be praying for you guys as you step out into the world.